Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr, always happy to share my opinion. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make it big. And some help others make it big. This week, we'll be reviewing The Art of the Kickstart. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. Today, we have CKZ, who's the founder of Ubitech joining us to talk about the art of the Kickstart. CK has recently done a Kickstarter campaign and can add valuable insight into the topic of our review today. Welcome, CK. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me here. All right. So, Michael, why don't you help us explain why CK is on the show and what we're going to do today? A little different format. Yeah, we're going to review a Kickstarter podcast. This was kicked off by a company, I would say a number of years ago. They started off as a marketing agency and and ended up in the kickstarting space. And uh, yeah, we thought we could add some value with somebody that's really run a Kickstarter program, Kickstarter campaign. Obviously, we haven't done it. That's right. We uh, haven't. But we like these business sort of marketing kind of podcasts. So it fits in with what we're doing. Bring in an entrepreneur. Let's see what yeah, we can learn. Yeah, CK is a local entrepreneur here in Hong Kong who we, we know through some business and, and association there. So CK, tell us a little bit about your Kickstarter campaign, uh, what you were attempting to do there, and, and how well did it go? All right. I invented retrofit water leak damage prevention solution some years ago. And recently, we have the entire standalone developed successfully, so I want to make it to sell before we go really go to the mass market we want to run the kickstarter to test the market there's the whole story and i would say it was not doing as good as we expected but we hit our target anyway and from this campaign i and my partner learned a lot from it awesome all right let's see what we can learn from ck and as we review uh, what do we pick this week yeah. right? so this is the Art of the Kickstart is the podcast. Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners. It's really a corporate podcast, right? A branding podcast for this business that helps other businesses do crowdfunding Absolutely. and promote their businesses. Yeah. Right. So that business is called Inventus Partners. And Roy is the, the founder and president of that. So he's been doing this podcast since 2015. They've got like about, well, on their website, it says they have 400 plus episodes and they have a blog also. So a, a variety of different content that they share on how to do crowdfunding and, and, uh, and Kickstarter campaigns specifically. On Apple, there's 300 podcasts that are, that are listed on there. So plenty of podcasts, a weekly, basically for, you know, several years now. So CK, what's your impression of this podcast? Is it helpful to somebody who's trying to go through a, or do a Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, I think so. 
Okay, so um, so the podcast format is it, basically every one of these episodes, so his 400 episodes, each one is a specific founder, right? A, a startup who's trying to, to raise money through crowdfunding. And so they bring them on and they talk about uh, what their business is and how they went about raising money through through a Kickstarter campaign. So is this helpful, though, to, to somebody like you? Um, did you listen or look for this kind of podcast um, before you did your campaign, or did you kind of find it afterwards? Well, uh, frankly, I didn't know there is such a channel available for our campaigners. So if I would know beforehand, I would definitely <laughs> take a deep dive in it. And uh, But I regret I did, did, didn't do so. Okay. Did you use a marketing agency at all? Or was it mostly just you, you sort of found the platform that you wanted to use from a Kickstarter um, perspective and you just sort of set it up yourself, launched it? You, you didn't pay anybody. You didn't use another agency like this to, to get it all done. Uh, yes and no. At, at the beginning, I was in the United States. I, I checked up with a couple very famous agents, but the price is very pricey. And so uh, with a very limited budget, we designed to make most of the work ourselves. But we did hire one of the most uh, reputable agency to help us to promote our campaign. And they check out our project, check out our product. They think it is valuable. So, but at the end of the day, they did not perform. And what did you? And when you say you did pay them, what did you pay for? And what did you get? All right. So for all the setup stuff, for example, the content production, website thing, they will charge a fixed amount, a certain amount. I believe it is very common practice for all these agencies. But they, some of those, they also willing to help promote the campaign because they have a database. They have a, the so-called proven backers. Because there is a community of the backers, they are actively willing to back the novelty, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so one of the key weapons is they own this database. So uh, they will normally charge a little upfront money and then they will get a cut from all the units back. Actually, that's pretty interesting information. So I, yeah. that sounds to me like the, the main reason why you would approach one of these agencies is that you're getting access to, in theory, a group of people that are potentially interested in you know, novelty-type products. Because originally when I listened to this, I was thinking, what should they be doing here, right? And I thought they really needed to focus on making the entrepreneur likable and fully explaining how the product worked, right? That's what I was looking for. Right. I was looking for, and I was looking for a lot of enthusiasm from the the host, from the interviewer, which I didn't feel I necessarily got. I was looking for this sort of bundle of energy to say, oh, I can't, you know, this is going to be revolutionary. Yeah. Well, and and you did listen to a lot of JLD. I guess maybe right? that's... And so maybe that was your expectation there, right? Yeah. This was a really yeah. low-key sort of interview where he sort of played, yeah. I, I, I want, you know, almost the straight man. He does follow a relatively um, consistent structure, right? So they, yeah. they tell the story. You try and explain the problem, maybe the inspiration of why right. you started this. He asks you a bit of, what did you learn yeah. about doing a Kickstarter campaign? Mm-hmm.
you talk about how difficult it is to bring to market and I don't like to call them failures, but learnings, right? What were some of those things that you've learned along the way of bringing a hardware tech product to market that some of the other founders out there might not have thought of? Uh, he talked a bit about raising capital, what the full service agency would do, how, you know, how did, yeah. how did you get benefit from what, uh, you know, from our services? Yeah. Uh, and then he did this sort of five quick question kind of thing. And then what's interesting is that he, he then gave him his opportunity to pitch at the end. Yes. At the end, of, that was like the final piece of the, of the podcast. And then it ended. And in some cases, I thought the structure was really a little bit odd, particularly yeah, the pitch kind of at upside the end. down. But yeah. Yeah. So I, well, I certainly agree. There was no boom, shake the room fire right. nation on this one, right? That you'd get with entrepreneurs on fire. So yeah, it was a lower energy kind of thing. I have to assume by the time you've done 400 of these, you've also learned a lot from all of these entrepreneurs that you've worked with and would have some real wisdom to share. And I was a little, I thought Roy was a little light on really interjecting um, his experience there. So CK, from your perspective, and again, so a podcast about doing, you know, it's called the art of the kickstart. From your perspective now, what would that be? What is the art of the kickstart? You did, you did one campaign there and you, and you said you, you hit your goal, but it still didn't really meet your expectations. So what's missing there for you? Well, from the high side, I think one of our biggest mistake was we have had a very tight schedule. So we did not a- able to spare enough time for the pre-launch campaign. We did not have time to do the social media promotion thing. Mm. And that would uh, limit our exposure. And that will really making a very terrible result. And number two, the second mistake I did is that I limited the availability to only North America because our product contains radio communication technology. Okay. And in different countries, they have different regulations. Mm. And I was over optimistic about our, our results. So I don't want to take the trouble to create so many different skills for different countries because they right. use different protocol and frequency things. So with that limitation, we narrowed down our prospects a lot. So that hinders our, our result. Do you think this podcast is for, you know, potentially as a, as a promotional type of thing where they, if they did it before the, the product was launched or before the campaign, I can see it as sort of a pitch, right? You're kind of getting people to potentially buy the product. But this podcast seems to be more, it's called the art of the kickstart. It right. sounds to me like this is supposed to be a lessons learned type of podcast that what potentially other entrepreneurs would listen to and they would go, Oh, I see that they got a lot of value out of you know working with this agency they learned a lot this is the company i want to work with because i can see that there was right. value added across the lifespan that seems to be what they're trying to do so you've been working with us here over at inventus partners for a while now what were some of those considerations that you went through when choosing the right agency to partner with with your launch but then he mixes in 
product pitch. He obviously talks yeah. to the entrepreneur. There's no deep dive into the learnings and, you know, and like what you say, CK, all the things that he could have done better during the pre-phase, yeah. during the campaign, and then maybe even after. Well, and maybe the strategy there is they don't want to be highly practical and give you all this information about how to go be successful at it because they want you to come in as a client, right? So it's really more about kind of showing off and saying, oh, here's another example of somebody who you know, was one of our clients and had a very successful campaign. And so they never really talk about trials and tribulations and wish we'd done this or wish we'd done that or could have done this better or whatever, right? So you don't get those really kind of practical, helpful things because that's not what the podcast is about. The podcast is about, oh, here's another success story. Come be one of our clients and we can help you be as successful. Do you yeah. suppose? So I, I think you I think it's an interesting point. I, <laughs> I, I like what you're saying there. I think that would be disappointing that if, if you are, are gonna put four hundred podcasts out there, you need to showcase as a business what you're an expert at. Right. If what CK is saying is that what what they really add value where the real value add is that we bring you know, we have this database of people that are that are typically going to back these kind of things. Yeah. And we pitch to that mailing list or we pitch to those people. I think communicating what you can do as an entrepreneur before and during and after the campaign. Wow, that just seems like so much valuable information. I would even be more compelled, I think, maybe to to go to this agency if they could share. You I mean, you may be right, but I think that's yeah. naive thinking. And I hadn't thought of it before. Yeah. It just occurred to me well, as I was sitting excellent. here. I, I think thought, that's I yeah, think that's interesting. good. I think that's good insight because they focused a lot on you know the, the learnings. They they did ask him to do the pitch at the end. What I really would be interested in is learning from that that entrepreneur and connecting with him as a human being and saying, oh, this is where I did a really good job. This is maybe where I could have done a better job. It's not easy. Don't get me wrong, because no. you this is a tricky podcast to pull off, right? You you want to showcase. The good things about your product, you obviously don't want to say anything particularly bad. You're at the early stages of your product development. Um, You've done this campaign mainly on a kickstart. You know, it was an interesting discussion because he said, oh, I, you know, we chose as a hardware company to do Kickstarter campaign because this was a really good fit for us in our product lifespan, right? Right. I think crowdfunding has has a number of really interesting points to it. The first one is that you can it's it's timing. You can bring it pretty early on, even when you're just in pre-production or when you're just finishing finishing up the, the last like steps in the product. That was the voice of Manuel Schoenfeld, the CEO and founder of PowerX, who was a guest on the Art of the Kickstart podcast. The product isn't 100% there yet, right? We're using the Kickstarter campaign to see whether or not there's you know, really a market out there. Yeah. Is Have we reached product market fit, right? If we launch and people just say, oh, we're not interested in this, then we really have to go back to the drawing yeah. board. You know, So this was an opportunity. They saw Kickstarting as an opportunity to figure out or to learn whether or not yeah. their product was potentially interesting to the market. Yeah. And I didn't hear a lot of discussion and, and CK, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this one too, is whether or not to do crowdfunding versus more traditional seek a VC thing. It was that an aspect of this discussion you would have expected to hear on the podcast and how helpful would that have been? 
Well, yeah, I do have some personal perspective about why we should go to Kickstarter or why not we should go. We should not go to Kickstarter. From my perspective, an enterprise or company in a different stage, they may have different uh, consideration. In the case that a company they had a billion ideas, they thought, and they have an excellent PPT, that would be a pretty nice situation to get Kickstarter, because it's just like a sanity check. If there is a good demand and they raise enough money, they can use other people's money to run a risk project, and they don't have any obligation to deliver. I think right. this is the most beautiful part for Kickstarter. I know the the entrepreneur in this case. He did mention that he'd raised funding from Wait, Y. Sorry, Com- in in this case, in this on you know in this PowerX company, right? right? So we haven't talked about that yet. We never actually introduced the specific episode. Right. We did interview. We did listen to a specific <laughs> ep- episode. That's right. And the the specific episode that we listened to was something called "Monitor and Control Your Utilities with PowerX." There you and go. They, they interviewed Manuel Schoenfeld, founder and CEO, who I quite liked. You know, he was a, he yeah. was a personable young man who obviously had a background um, not in engineering, but in data science. He'd obviously worked for some prominent firms. All of that was brought out, I think, yep. in the in the Kickstarter um, in this in this podcast. So I think I think that was good. It, it I gave, thought his passion came out about. You know, this was a save the planet kind of thing, right? He was very concerned about energy conservation. Right. He was very interested in climate change. And, and, and at the end, he, he was asked to or comment on what he hoped his product would do, saying that uh, I think it's going to have an impact on climate change was obviously a, a big thing. They did a good job of focusing on the passion of the entrepreneur, a little bit of background on, you know, some of the campaigns that he'd run before when i say campaigns i mean uh, yeah. you know fundraising campaigns that and he had raised some money from you know white combinator and sequoia and antler maybe that i would have been interested in that What's as it? a comparison makes me think of another interesting thing for why would you want to be a guest on the art of the kickstart podcast right what's in it for you at that point because you're clearly promoting right this, you know, agent, this agency absolutely. partners right you're you're helping them Clearly, they benefit from this podcast. What's in it for the podcaster? So, so CK, if you were going to be a guest, and you could, right? You'd qualify as a guest for him. Uh, why would you want to be on the show? And what would you expect to get out of a podcast like this? Well, as we all know, there is no absolute formula for the success. But there are a lot of reasons can cause the failure. So what I want to learn from other Kickstarters is how they fail, or if there is any lesson I can avoid in my execution. Right. No, but as a guest, so like the Power X guy, he went on there and he got to tell his story and tell about his business a little bit. How much value do you think that was to him and his business to be on this podcast? If you had the opportunity, would you go on the Art of the Kickstart? And why? What would you want to get out of that? I think that would not a key factor for me to determine go or no go, but uh, it definitely interested to me to learn how he did the execute the whole course with the Kickstarter thing. Yeah, 
I wonder if it's part of the, you know, if you sign up with Aventus Partners, that you agree to do a sort of a post-mortem podcast. It may, it could be, be, part it may package, be in the yeah. contract that he, he has to do it. Yeah. It would be really interesting, or maybe they should even have two channels, like sort of the the ones where they pitch before, right? Yeah. And then a lessons learned. There's really two aspects here, right? There is, it's, right. It's pitch the product before the campaign, have people get excited, and then there's the learning, right? Oh, what could I have yeah. done better? What did this Aventus partner really do for me? This should be showcasing this company and saying, these are all the great things we did. This is what we did pre-launch. This is what we did during the campaign. Run me through the week by week. You said earlier, these run for what, 30 to 60 days? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm very interested in the, the, the pre, the during, and maybe even some of the after. Right. So what I'm wrestling with here, I guess, is trying to figure out, right, what's in it for the the guest, because if the audience is other potential clients, these aren't investors or even potentially buyers of PowerX, right? They're just other entrepreneurs with some idea who want to figure out how to do a Kickstarter, right? If that's the target audience, then it doesn't really help the PowerX guys, right, Manuel, to pitch on this podcast. So, um, yeah. So no, you may be right. Like this could be contractual. <laughs> it sounds like a contractual thing. The, the the main person that's benefiting from this is that other entrepreneurs are listening to this and saying, "Oh, it looks like those Aventus guys are doing a really good job of you know managing this guy's campaign. He hit the goal. You know, there's obviously you know value added here. Yeah. Maybe I should call them up. I still think that there's an interesting listenership out there that is interested in, in learning about uh, new products and, you know, listening to the pre-campaign. Yeah. But I don't think he's trying to go head-to-head -head with JLD and Entrepreneurs on Fire, right? Because that's – because if I was a potential investor looking for startups, you know, I'd be listening to that. Right. Right? These guys are coming on really to pitch their ideas and you're hoping – um, now, other entrepreneurs are also listening because they do go through a lot of those kind of practical things on what to do, how to be successful. Yeah. But I would also think that it'd be a good place for investors to um, you know, be listening in to see you know, what other potential startups are out there that they could take So if that's in. the case, if that's what this podcast is really all about, that it's sort of self-promotion, you know, it's, you know it's, a, it's a podcast disguised as you know, promotion for the agency – yeah. Then there's a whole bunch of things in there that don't make sense. For example, the the five rapid questions at the end where they ask the entrepreneur, um, you know, what was your inspiration? Uh, who are your entrepreneurial idols? You know, if you had a question for one of the idols, what would it be? Can you yeah. recommend a book? Yeah, these I, would, are, I would be yeah. much more interested in in targeted questions specifically related to the campaign or specifically related to how did we add value to your campaign yeah. specifically. So. Yeah. Well, and again, I think, you know, these were not the, you know, Proust questions from, you know, like Minnie Driver uses in her podcast that we reviewed. Yeah. They're, yeah, he's they're trying to make fluff, it fun. Right? He's trying to make yeah. it fun, but I, I'm not sure it added a lot. And, you know, personal, right? But again, though, the answers, the questions, right? What book would you recommend to our listener seems to be assuming that the listener are other inventors, Right, folks like CK. So, so how helpful was this to you, CK, to hear these guys talk about you know what other entrepreneur inspired you and what would you ask them or what book would you recommend you know to other startups? 
sort of, I would say. It really depends on what they recommend and what they presented. Yeah. And I am more interested in those nasty things, what caused the failure thing. Right. That would be very, very helpful, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like this should be more practical. They're in a tough position. You don't necessarily want to talk about failure because that would reflect negatively, right, on the agency. Well, yes and no, though. I'm a big fan of transparency and saying, hey, we learned from this one, right? Right. This is this one went bad, and and now we know. So to pretend that we don't have failures, we don't have problems, that everything goes smoothly, doesn't sit so well with me. I'm much more inclined to work with somebody who's really honest and open and, and saying, yeah, we had, this one really went sideways on us. We didn't anticipate, you know, this, or we didn't, you know, promote enough ahead of time or whatever, right? Just, and if you do that, then you're, you're potentially limiting the ability for this guy to sell this product in the future, right? Did it not sell? I don't know. Yeah. Did it not sell because it was a poorly run campaign or did it not sell because the product wasn't very good? It's kind of a dangerous thing it is. to do. It is. It's a tricky it's a tricky one. But Again, they can do it I trust somebody more who is open about their failures than somebody who pretends we are so awesome nothing ever goes wrong and but anyway, it's an interesting CK. Yeah. From my lifetime experience, there is no success without any nesting failures. I completely agree. I agree. But if, if you're this agency and your job is to promote the professionalism of your organization and the cap- and its capabilities, yeah. I think it's a really fine line yeah. um, that you want to walk in what you're going to deliver here. When we started this, I, I said, oh, yeah, like we like this. We like these business-orientated yeah. podcasts. Yet, how do you deliver something that is of value to, you know, in this case, other entrepreneurs without potential clients and potential clients? But if you're going to talk about things that maybe didn't go so well, is that really what you want to put out there? Yeah, um, it really is quite fascinating. So, but and I don't have the great, I don't have yeah. a great answer for this one. Yeah, but I'll, I will say, you know, what I appreciate though is when you share, oh, this went bad, we saw it go bad, and here's how we responded to that, yeah. right? Not to pretend that it didn't go bad, but if you handled it professionally and quickly and was able to turn it around, oh, even better, yeah. right? You know, an angry customer who you turn around is more loyal than a customer who maybe has never had a problem with you. But if you've been able to recover from something that's gone gone badly, that actually gains you loyalty. So, you know, so maybe that's something, you know, for Roy to consider. Did we do A-B testing? You know, these are the kind of things that as an entrepreneur, I would be very interested in knowing. The problem is that's like giving away the secret sauce. Oh, I, right? I think they you don't give it away. Do that. I think you give it away. Well, if you give it away, your client, your people listening may say, oh, I can go do this on my own. I don't need you guys. But if they, let's say, let's <laughs> say, let's say A, B, C, D, E testing, like maybe they have all this stuff in yeah. developed. They've got platforms that do this. We constantly change it up. You know, that's a lot for a, for an early stage entrepreneur to build a website that yeah. where that, that dynamically changes as the campaign is going on, depending on what they see as successful or not. Yeah. This is real value add that I think a, an agency could add that maybe you couldn't do as a yeah. as an independent entrepreneur. All right, Michael is fired up. All right, yeah. CK, jump in. <laughs> well, um, 
From my perspective, Kickstarter itself already create a pretty systematic framework for you to tell your story and step by step thing. But what makes the difference between failure and successful projects, from my perspective, is by two factors. Number one, your product. There are different kind of products. Some product everybody understands. For example, a high tech torch. Some product like ours. They may understand, but no one ever used. It is unprecedented product. Right. So it's far more difficult to make people understand its value or make them to determine to, to back it because he has no idea if it is work or not. Yeah. It's all by our storytelling only. And the rest is how innovative you can tell your story. It's still within the framework created by Kickstarter, but there are a lot of creativity you can make. As I think that is something maybe those agency they can help. Yeah, that's clearly all part of the success here is how well you tell your story. And, yeah. and we do love all of these podcasts that help entrepreneurs tell their story. Yeah, from the product's perspective, there are different price points of products. Some price, some price at tens of dollars and some price at hundreds of dollars and some even more. So I think for th those products with different price points, they tend to have a very different strategy to tell the story, yeah. to convince the, the backer. Absolutely. All right, final words. Michael, what do you got on this one? You got fired up a little bit <laughs> I did there. get fired up. I think my takeaway on this is that it sounds to me like what we've agreed upon is you need to communicate the value that your organization is adding. What have you got, Eric? So I think that he does have to, well, I would bring the energy up, Roy. I agree. I you, think don't energy, be, I think the, you don't have to be rah, 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 but right, the energy you don't have to needs be JLD, to be higher. But I do think that, yeah, the energy could come up a little bit. I would love to see more transparency around failure. Yeah, I, I love practical, give me really practical stuff. You don't have to give away the secret sauce necessarily, but some practical handles mm -hmm. and activities, things we can be doing, things we can monitor as we go and adjust to. You know, sometimes it's just how to spot the problem. Yeah. You may not even be aware, right? Early awareness that I need to Absolutely. I need to adjust is super, super important in these things. And like, you know, CK, you were saying you had a, a 30-day campaign. You, you didn't have really time to maneuver much there. So... Yeah, for me, this again is about knowing who your audience is. So in this case, who is the audience? And I think it is other entrepreneurs that are potentially going to launch Kickstarter campaigns in yeah. the future. And if that's your audience, you don't need the pitch. I don't think you need the five quick questions. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of fluff in there in the 25-minute podcast yeah. that could be replaced with value-added things that you can do before, during, and after the podcast to make sure that it is successful. Or the campaign. The campaign, yes. Yeah. Right. Awesome. CK, any uh, final words from you? Good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap of our review of the art of the Kickstarter. Uh, this is Eric Byron, Michael Kerr, and CKZ with No Harm in Asking. Thanks for listening. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. Mm -hmm.